Don't miss out on the latest news and events in your community. Visit StarLocalMedia.com today. Sign up for our newsletter and stay informed on all the latest stories affecting your neighborhood. And if you're a local business owner, let us help you reach your target audience with our effective advertising solutions. Visit StarLocalMedia.com and take the first step towards staying connected to your community. Today's episode of the Star Local Media Sports Podcast is brought to you by King Arthur Clocks and Jewelry, Bavarian Grill, and Yield Butcher Shop. King Arthur Clocks and Jewelry, a longtime retail and repair shop for, you guessed it, clocks and jewelry. Everything from grandfather clocks to mantle clocks, wall clocks. Hey, if you just need to get the battery in your watch replaced, King Arthur Clocks and Jewelry has you covered. Not only that, they are also a gold and silver exchange. So if you have any gold coins, silver coins that you're looking to trade in for cash on the spot, King Arthur Clocks and Jewelry has you covered there as well. They are located at 1201 North Central Expressway. Having served Plano for over 30 years, King Arthur Clocks and Jewelry. And now, let's podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Star Local Media Sports Podcast. My name is Matt Welch. I'm the sports editor with Star Local Media, and I am being joined by Kendrick Johnson, who's the sports editor for the McKinney Courier Gazette, as well as Taylor Raglan, who's the sports uh, the sports reporter for the Plano Star Courier, Allen American, and Lake City Sun. I uh, hope everybody had a uh, had a fun Memorial Day, an extended weekend, and we are here to uh, keep talking some spring football. Uh, we're going to continue our spring football primer series that we began last week, as was the case. The first podcast was devoted to Class 6A, second one 5A, so we're going to keep that same formula going for this week as we round things out with two more uh, two more catch-ups. Two more, we're going to check it on two more districts in, the, in Class 6A, starting with District 9-6A, which uh, for a lot of these schools, you know, used to be called 6-6A, but we've uh, we've shifted uh, Allen, Plano ISD, McKinney ISD over a bit further east into Region Two, and uh, a bit, you know some uh, some similarities, you know, from what they've uh, what they've seen these last couple years in 6-6A, but a couple new teams, uh, Jesuit and Prosper. So um, for the sake of um, you know brevity, though, we've only got so much time, so we're um, you know since we cover seven of these eight teams directly, we're just going to kind of go around the horn and just focus on one key off-season storyline mm-hmm. for um, for all seven of these. Uh, of the schools that are at least in our uh, in our markets, um, we can start. Um, Kendrick, with you, you've been uh, kind of out and about. You saw, um, I mean, what McKinney ISD had all of their spring games all same last day. week, same day. <laughs> I was at, I was at Poe, Boyd, and um, North. Spent like thirty minutes at each school. Wow, so, McKin- so McKinney man. HS got the stadium, whereas the others had uh, had to practice at their high schools. Yeah, right, show some love to the uh, to the old uh, the old. Uh, oh, don't old say that. And <laughs> Shout out to my Mr. Bobby, the principal, the original. The original. That's <laughs> So um, yeah, I guess if we're gonna kind of just play some catch up now on just kind of where the uh, where McKinney and McKinney Boyd are at in their respective off seasons. Uh, I mean, this McKinney team was one of the better, certainly one of the better stories these last couple of years in Six Six A. But a team that um, a lot's changed since uh, we Everything <laughs> changed. New coaches, new stars. They have two key players to build them on. They have Cordrick Dunn, who ran for three forty, subbing in for the one game that Matt Gaddis set out last year, and they have um, Andrew Pitts, who was a part of our. Uh, faces of the program series had seven interceptions ran three of them for for uh, intercept for mm-hmm. touchdowns and he was got a, a reputation as being one of the most locked down corners in 6-6-8 last mm-hmm. year you know that's a hard district oh, yeah. absolutely to, uh, and nothing not people don't understand about him not only can he cover he can tackle mm-hmm. 
as a whole, McKinney is going to be, nobody knows what to expect out of them. They're going to be a very competitive team, but at the end of the day, it's all about repetition and getting experience and they know how people experience, so nobody knows, which might be a good thing because nobody knows how Coach Shaver's offense is going to transfer from 4A to 6A, so they're definitely the wild card yeah. of, the, of the whole district, where on the other hand, Boyd, I'd be very surprised if Boyd does not fit in, in the top two or three in the district. They, okay. they should end their playoff drought next year. Mm -hmm. They got the experience, they got the depth, but they've had problems staying healthy, which has been key. Mm -hmm. Christian Ziegler got banged up. They lost like three or four defensive starters last year. Like by by district, they were like playing a mash unit. You can only like cover the whole so much. But um, the main thing about them is they're motivated. That they take that streak very personally, and I won't say they own the McKinney under the Plano schools, but they do very well against the Plano schools. Oh yeah, now they traditionally have. I know at least uh, having covered Plano senior specifically over the years, there was a stretch there where it just felt like Boyd had their number. I think this past <laughs> season actually might have been the first time. And Boyd should have won that game too. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was a defensive grinder that one. You did mention Boyd and just some uh, some bad luck health wise, and that's a nice way to transition over to Plano East, a team that caught plenty of bad breaks health wise last right. season, a team that looked like a team that, like you said about Boyd, had the ability to finish, you know, in the top two or three in the district, right. um, and then just the running game, which is kind of supposed mm -hmm. to be the identity of their offense, just could not catch a break health-wise. Mm -hmm. So, um, Panthers missed the playoffs. They will look to uh, to reignite that uh, that fire this coming fall. Uh, Taylor, you were out at their spring mm -hmm. showcase uh, recently, um, so just kind of uh, what's the uh, what's the vibe on the Panthers, and what is one key off-season storyline? So I think the, the interesting thing offensively is that last year, with the injury to uh, the backfield and, and the running back, and all that good stuff. Their passing game really matured, I think, <laughs> maybe earlier than it should have, and that shouldn't go away. Uh, they have Brandon Mallory back at, at quarterback and Jalen Anderson uh, back out wide, and those two guys are, are really dynamic and, and could really uh, have a pretty explosive uh, partnership, I guess, throwing the football. So offensively, I think East will be okay. I think defense is really the, the side of the ball that they have to focus on. And <sighs> when gonna, I talk you can attest to that, Kenny. Yeah. Yeah. 599 in person. Yeah. And, and the crazy thing is about 5 99 that people don't understand is it was a result of the, the talent of Matt Gaddick first of all but they kept scoring so they had to keep them right, in right. people think like oh McKinney just ran under death they had to keep right. them in yeah. it was like the perfect storm for that whole thing and then right. they were going to run the clock out and somebody got a personal foul they took a cheap shot on Gaddick and then it's like I'm like we're going to try to go get this record and then they went and got it right. so it had like the calm before the storm but the right. common denominator was the defensive yeah. line was turned and I out. talked to uh, head coach Joe McCollum when I was out spring game and he said personally he's invested a lot this spring uh, in the defensive side of the ball. He's worked with the linebackers personally, he's worked with defensive backs personally and he's got pretty much his entire coaching staff really kind of keying in on, on how to make the defense better and, and taking a lot of pride in that and I think uh, Zach Wachuku is, is a really good leader in, in their defensive backfield. Mm -hmm. uh, he'll be a senior. He was elected one of their captains, the first group of captains uh, since McCullough's been there actually. So they got a, a good leadership group and, and they have him out there uh, kind of directing the defense along with a couple other guys so I think that's really the story I think they're going to score points mm. uh, I don't think they'll have any problem scoring points it's just you know is that enough to win games or, or are they going to have to really step on defense and I think they will have to step up on defense don't they have a tradition for being pretty good because I remember seeing them when they had Hines people talked about yeah. Hines but they had a lot of dudes that could actually play oh yeah, yeah, yeah so it's kind of like they, 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 of they, they, they've had like traditionally good defensive units oh yeah they had um, that same year there was Hines was only one of like yeah. you know, three or four D1, like high-end D1 prospects. I know in the defensive line, Deion
Deontay Watts was a Nebraska commit. I mean, they've got they, – I mean, it's – the talent – the cupboard has never been bare talent-wise. I mean, I was shocked last year just <laughs> with how – with just the turn that that defense took over the back half of the season, obviously highlighted by that performance against, uh, you know, against McKinney yeah. and whatnot. But, no, I mean, even for the – you mentioned, you know, Zach uh, Wachuku, um, you know, Tyler Owens in the mm-hmm. secondary. Right. He's a yep. – I mean, he might be the top, you know, prospect. I think defense. McCullough basically said that in, in maybe not quite those exact mm-hmm. words, but Tyler Owens is certainly – I mean, I think he has the Mizzou offer. Is that right? Uh, he's got – I've seen Kansas State. Hours, it seems, so I mean, his pro- yeah. he's, he's going to be a senior. His profile blew up a ton this yep. spring. I mean, you kept seeing just – They've got guys. They just have to figure out how to uh, mm-hmm. how to play a, a scheme maybe that works for them or, or just how to – I don't know if it's a pursuit deal or if it was an effort deal. I don't think it was an effort deal talking to McCullough. I mean, that should never be yeah, uh, no, one no. of his – Not, not with the way he coaches. It's ever an effort deal. So yeah. hopefully uh, maybe for them their, uh, their spring focus on it and, and really keying in on defense will produce some, some better results this year. With um, with Plano Senior, um, you know, the Wildcats were the lone team from Plano ISD to make the playoffs. Made it the last night of the season, and by a hair, there was a scenario <laughs> heading into that last week where all three Plano schools could have missed the playoffs, which would have been just wow if that had happened. <laughs> uh, but nevertheless, Plano was able to get back to the postseason. Um, they should be, you know, Plano should be in a pretty solid position to, uh, you know, to contend for a playoff spot once again, as is the case, it seems like, every year with Plano. It's just going to be a question of just how the passing game mm-hmm. develops. We all know that Plano can run the ball. You know, they've got, you know, one of the top rushing offenses in the area, headlined by Kyron Cumbie, Cody Christ, you know, and that's going to once again be their identity, but Jadon McCullough has made it a point. Like, we don't want defenses just to be able to key in on Kyron. Right. You know, oh, they don't give him the ball. There's no reason that kid should not touch the ball more than 20 times. I remember seeing him as a sophomore. I'm like, man, who's this guy? He's like, man, he's supposed to be Plano's next big star, and every time you see him, he does star things, but he doesn't get star touches. <laughs> I mean, they did ride him much more later in the season once they had to move Cody Crist over to um, you know, to play some linebacker on defense. Like I said, there's there's still going to be the focal point of the offense, but like I said, McCullough wants it to where teams just aren't keying in on that. And one of the things that can make that a whole lot easier is just a development of the uh, passing game. Um, I was just going back over the years. Um, Plano's had one 1,000-yard passer over the last five seasons. Wow, that's not right. And you factor in, you play ten game, at least ten games a season. Right. I mean, that's you know, so the passing game has definitely left a little bit to be desired. The running game has been there, um, but one thing that uh, you know, entering this season, this is going to be the sixth straight year that Plano is going to enter the season with a new starting quarterback. So it's not, it's not a position where they've been able to really build a whole lot of just. Right. You know, they traditionally put the best, the best, but a good athlete and just kind of roll with. They seem to in recent years. Um, you've noticed the uh, just to again to add another wrinkle to that running game is the presence of a dual threat quarterback. These last couple of years with Aaron Regas, Jonathan Taylor, both players that could scoot on the ground. And it, I mean, it's when you add that to what you know Cumbie and Chris could do. I mean, you had three options. You could three guys who could break for 100 yards a game, and that happened several times last right. year. But um, eventually, you're going to have to be able to move the ball through the air, and if nothing else, just to take some pressure off of, just to give the defense some reason to not just crowd the box and just you know. Right. Try to just hone in on that running game. Um, you know, Cole Winnett, who was the backup last season, has um, you know, Jadon McCullough was quick to uh, you know, quick early on into the uh, spring to say that Cole Winnett's you know he's you know going to be our starter. You know, in years past, that decision's kind of gone a bit further, uh, a bit closer to the wire. But they also like what they have. Um, you know, they're going to get their 
Gwinnett's backup, um, all of our towns, um, some reps from um, towns is um, just going to be a, uh, he's currently just a sophomore, going to be a junior next season. Um, you know, and I saw over the weekend at seven on seven, they um, were kind of splitting reps, 50-50 mm -hmm. between them. You know, Gwinnett would take two, two series, then towns would take two series. So they like what they have, you know, at both spots. But um, it'll just be interesting just to see how, um, just to how the, uh, how the passing game evolves for, uh, for Plano Senior this season as they try to uh, get back to the, uh, to the playoffs. Uh, let's round it out with a look at uh, Plano West. Mm -hmm. Team that uh, well, there's no there's no getting around it. Plano was in some tough times yeah. last season. Well, what happened to all the talent? Because they were like pretty legit like three years ago, as far as like when Sosa Jamabo graduates. He, uh, yeah, it's just uh, with him that was just a uh, kind of a I don't know just turning it turning a new page in the uh, in the Plano West uh, in the Plano West storybook, and it's not a uh, not not a season to remember for the Wolves. You know they went 0 and 10, the first winless season in Plano ISD since 2003. Um, you know, that's not going to be the case this year. I feel like at least, just judging by their non-district schedule, that right. Plano West has at least put itself in position to, uh, you know, certainly re, you know, just begin that, you right. know, that build back up to uh, to prominence. Um, just kind of, what's your read on uh, Plano West and what is one off-season storyline that's on your radar, Taylor? Well, the read is is obviously just to be competitive again. Mm -hmm. And when you talk to Scott Smith, that's what he says, you know. I mean, the expectations are high internally, but I think externally, um, expectations can't be any higher than, you know, just find a way to be competitive again. Um, and that's going to start at the quarterback position. Speaking of developing a passing game, they don't really have, um, they don't have a quarterback right now set in stone. They have three guys, three young guys, uh, two rising juniors and Danny Davis and Will Cannon, one rising sophomore and Greg Drawn that are all kind of, you know, neck and neck uh, for the starting quarterback job. And, and you mentioned that Plano's already kind of named theirs. That's definitely not the case for West. That I got the feeling talking to uh, Coach Smith that it's going to come down to basically the week before you know they they line up for their first scrimmage if not the week before they line up for their first you know actual game non uh, non-district game so um will cannon and greg john both saw time in the spring game and they both looked pretty good uh danny davis set out because uh baseball had such a late uh season and, and the cut into uh, his time with spring football but he'll certainly be getting in seven on seven and, and summer workouts and all that kind of stuff so for them it's it's monitoring that competition and and hopefully i mean i feel like you can go one of two ways either you find your you know next two or three year starter or you know you're kind of back at the drawing board and, and really young and have to try to figure something out or, or do a rotation or, or whatever so it'll be developing and, and i'll be watching it over the summer and um coach smith just said he's waiting for one of those guys to to really set themselves apart yeah can't win this dish without quarterback yeah quarterback exactly that's key. why it, i feel like i can go one of two ways either you know one of these guys steps up and becomes the the starter and never really lets it go or they got to figure out some sort of you know rotation and and smith did say that that he was he was pleased with the competition and the way it was going because they're very competitive and, it, and it's a real battle and they're watching obviously all three of them but he said they're very tight-knit as well uh, nobody really has an ego or, or cares about splitting time, so maybe that's the direction they go. If nobody really sets themselves apart. Let's focus on um, just the uh, one of the newcomers to this district, a team like Prosper, which um, you big know, offensive line. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's I guess one of the most compelling storylines in this uh, in this district is just what's like. What do we make of Prosper? It's one thing to say with like we all know what to expect out of you know PISD, Allen, McKinney, ISD. These teams are all familiar with each other. You know, even a lot of them have seen Jesuit in years past. But mm -hmm. Prosper is a um, outside of McKinney is a is kind of an anomaly. To the rest of the district, I, I think it's going to be a big adjustment here because I, somebody sounded them in 
14-5A. They were always the, the big boy on the block. And now they, then they're just another face. And it seems like when they fight, go against people that are another faces on their level, they tend to struggle because they don't have the team speed. They have the size. Right. But that speed is what really has been lacking with them, especially when they get beat in the playoffs. With this Prosper team, um, you know, they, they ruled District 14-5A, back-to-back district titles. Yeah, they, they, was the man. They were the end-all, be-all, but they did lose. I was just trying to think of, like, for comparison's sake, like, um, you know, I mentioned this a ways back, like how teams like McKinney and Wiley did in their last years in 5A before making that transition to 6A. And, I mean, I think we could say that Wiley and McKinney certainly held their own over the course of the two years in 6A. Yeah. It never appeared just woefully overmatched or anything like that. And Prosper's, I guess, coming from a better, a better spot than those two programs were at the time. You know, Prosper coming off back-to-back district titles and being one of the better teams in the Metroplex at the 5A level. But they do lose a ton of, uh, of seniors from last year's team. I was going through. They lost 16 kids that made the all-district list. It's a bad year uh, for that team. <laughs> including <laughs> Caleb Adams, who, who was a very underrated yeah. guy. He's like 5'7", but he bust 180 and three touchdowns on you. Oh, yeah. They lost district MVP Caleb Adams. They lost defensive MVP Justin Benzie. They lost defensive lineman of the year Jevin Jackson. Offensive utility player of the year DJ Love. 14-5, they get, gave out a ton of superlatives on their all-district <laughs> list. But um, at the very least, um, yeah, so it'll just be, uh, yeah, like you mentioned, it's not the uh, not an ideal spot you like to have because I think McKinney at least had a bit more continuity working in their favor because that was they were they were a team on the rise even though they were coming off I think just like a three win season at the time it was still the uh, kind of the midpoint of that uh, that senior classes they just lost they were about to enter their respective junior years exactly and, and it was kind of crazy because um, I was at the game McKinney ended up losing to Wiley but that was the winner take a winner going and that's how Wiley got in the playoffs but for them to be the newcomers they were f- they basically fought each other head to head to get that first year to get in the playoffs and while they got in. We did mention they're just needing stability at quarterback and they do return their starting quarterback Keegan Shoemaker. Um, but yeah, it's um, but elsewhere, I mean, yeah, they've got a lot of very, very key players to fill and um, certainly not the district that's going to afford you much right. of a, uh, you know, much of a, uh, a learning curve in order to adjust to that to that climate. Um, let's round it out with a quick look at, um, at Allen, the district champion, the class 5A, <laughs> 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 the district 16 champion, and that was all they did last year. Now, they um, Allen won um, won its fourth state title in six years. They're the reigning Class 6A Division One state champs. And, um, hey, it's a new offseason. There's always going to be uh, that Rubik's Cube is always going to look a little bit different every offseason with the pieces that you have to fill. Obviously, I mean, if you followed Allen last year, if you saw him, you knew how just important that running game was to them. And it's um, that's kind of been the uh, what, what exactly we're going to make of this Allen offense now that they lost a ton of that running game. So um, of players on Allen last year who weren't quarterbacks or running backs receivers, anybody who fielded a carry out of the backfield that wasn't a quarterback. <laughs> Allen totaled 31, uh, 3,102 yards. All right. Of those uh, thir- oh. 3,102. I thought that's the people that did that wasn't on my list. Remember, they had a 2,100-yard rusher yeah. at the top of that. Right. Um, so of those 3,100 yards, they graduated 3,015 of those yards. So that's 97.2%. Hey, well, you got 6,000 people. You find somebody. Hey, there's probably I'm confident. I'm, I'm, I'm confident they'll find somebody. They, um, right now, the projected starter is um, is actually a transfer from uh, the Episcopal School of Dallas, Andrew Henry, who's um, you know a three-star prospect. He's got some low-level D1 offers. Whoa, whoa. 
what is it going to be like? A, the receiver, uh, the receiver is going to be running. Back. He's going to be. He's starting running back right now. Oh, starting running back right now. Yeah. Sturgis is going to be hard to hard to do. That's yeah. That's it. Don't realize Sturgis and Gaddick were. I want to say they were top five in the state for all around rushing mm -hmm. yards. Oh yeah. I mean Sturgis ran for over twenty one hundred yards. You could argue pound for pound that was the best season an Allen running back has ever had. Brock Sturgis oh. in two thousand seventeen. Um, so it would be you know foolhardy to expect you know a guy like Andrew Henry or whatever or any committee to just to fill in a twenty one hundred yard rusher and not miss a beat. It's very much akin to like what McKinney's going through right now with uh, with Matt Gaddick. So it's a question of now like a how will Henry fit into their system, but what kind of trickle down effect is there with respects to like Grant Tisdale at quarterback and Theo Weiss at receiver? How much are their roles going to evolve without Allen? With Allen likely to be a bit probably not as reliant on the uh, on the run game like there were last do you, season. Do, do you think Theo could for Theo to be as highly rated as people always like why why didn't we use him like this like you know how to use them more in the playoffs? Mm -hmm. it's like people was that just because they were up by so much they didn't want to show? One of the things and that then, contributed to it is um is they lost their number two receiver, Carter gotcha. Schlecker. Gotcha. Um, so the uh, and you could people tell the, the you could tell the dynamism of Allen's passing game kind of tailed off because you just didn't have you know their uh, I mean Carter Schlecker is a I mean he's an Iowa State commit I mean a high level you know D one prospect Theo Weiss you know top wide receiver in the in the state of the country. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you had um see so yeah, and the Allen offense became a bit more reliant on just Theo Weiss just being an incredible receiver just winning every jump ball in sight. Do, do you think people are going to go like, okay, we're going to make Tisdale beat us with his arm, mm -hmm. not his legs? you think that T might be the ammo? Tisdale's, that's well, that's the thing. Like, with, without Brock Sturges back there, you know, Grant Tisdale's a guy who last year, he averaged only uh, just a shade over 12 pass attempts per game. That number's going to go up this season, <laughs> most likely. <laughs> it has to. It has to, yeah, for Allen to get. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's too early to tell. We'll see what happens. But, yes, a lot of what the, uh, you know, Allen's offense is always among the best in the, in the state. And for it to get back to that level, a lot's going to be asked on Grant Tisdale to take that next step forward. With um, all these question marks, yeah. they not win district next year. Yeah, but, <laughs> I mean, again, they should. Not going to say anything's a certainty, but again, they should. Well, it's like even when you talk to you know other coaches around the district, won't name names, but just I mean, it's it's almost like every year it's Allen, and then who's fighting for the other three? Like who's who's fighting to come up behind Allen? It's just the it's it, it's pointless to ignore that, and it's pointless to to kind of feel like that's not the case because until proven otherwise, Allen is just kind of the de facto. When you've won, I mean, when you've won district yeah. 12, 12 years yeah. in a row, There's I believe no, it is. Yeah. It's going to take some serious, uh, some serious surprises for anything to happen to that, and I don't see this as being <laughs> being the year that that happens. Yep. So um, yeah, but that's a quick look at um at District Nine Six A. Obviously, there's still a long ways to go until we get to August. We'll be sure to preview this district in far greater detail once fall practices get rolling. Today's student athlete spotlight is brought to you by Bavarian Grill, authentic Bavarian food and beer garden. Listed by the Zagat Survey as the highest-rated German restaurant in Texas for 12 years in a row. 12 years. That's three presidential terms. Uh, you can enjoy traditional and authentic spring favorites now. Everything from appetizers like slow-roasted ham hock and potato pancakes to entrees like bratwurst or breaded schnitzel. Uh, bring your whole family for lunch and dinner. They are open Tuesday through Saturday, located off Parker and Highway 75 in Plano, Bavarian Grill. And now, let's get back to the podcast. In the meantime, Kendrick has tagged in Devin Hassan. Devin is going to round out the podcast with us as we take a look at District 116A as we continue our spring football primer series. District 116A, a district that has the same number and just about the same number of teams as last season, the same configuration, minus one. Um, still got Mesquite ISD, Mesquite High, Mesquite Horn, North Mesquite, uh, the Rockwall ISD duo of Rockwall High and Rockwall Heath, as well as Longview and Tyler Leeds. Uh, same seven teams that have been in that district for the last 
last uh, couple years. Uh, Tyler, John Tyler was in that district, but they have since dropped down to Class 5A. Um, Devin, so let's, uh, I guess, what is your read for kind of the, uh, just the overall, an overall look at this district, given how it's the same exact configuration just about as last season? Well, I mean, you know, last year it came down to, you know, six teams were still alive to make the playoff going into the last week of the season. Yeah. Um, you lose one of those contenders in John, John Tyler, who, um, which I don't think anybody's complaining about. John Tyler has state championship aspirations in Class 5, but they return a lot of talent. Yeah. Um, but I see it being, you know, a, a similar story. I mean, Mesquite and North Mesquite were those two teams on the bottom last season. I think they're making strides, you know, but I, I still think there's a gap there. We'll see what happens in the fall as far as yeah. how much they've done in the offseason. But, you know, Horn is your reigning district champion. Uh, last year was a little bit of a surprise. Not that they yeah. won the district title, but that they went 7-0. Mm -hmm. uh, they had a lot of close games, mind you, but um, they were able to win and go undefeated. I just don't think anybody really expected uh, even the district champion to go undefeated. I think it's a similar story last uh, this season. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of parity in that top five, and um, it's going to be a battle down to the wire. I still remember the because uh, what they opened up against Longview in district play last yeah. year, right? And that was like that was kind of the initial pick by you know a lot of prognosticators yeah. that it was going to be Longview's district, and then we were just all to a man just shocked at how Horn just kind of handled them. Well, and it was one of those nights where everything just went yeah. Horn's way. I think I don't I can't remember how many times Longview turned it over, but following on Twitter because I was not actually at that game, yeah. it seemed like every five minutes Longview was turning it over, and every time they would turn it over, Horn would immediately cash into the points, mm -hmm. and it was just one of those you know Longview has won the district championship or coming into last year 12 out of 13 years and so they've been dominant in yeah. this district and you just didn't expect them to get beat that soundly but yeah horn kind of that was uh you know jermaine gibbons um his first year to start out was kind of his coming out party he has some great games in non-district uh but when he was able to really do what he did against a good longview defense that was kind of announced his arrival onto the scene and obviously he went on to uh to win district mvp honors uh kind of for nearly 4,000 yards um true dual threat i mean threw for over 2600 yards and, tw and 29 touchdowns rushed for 1286 yards and 20 touchdowns and when you look at the touchdown numbers you know horn played 12 games last season 49 touchdowns, so just a shade over four touchdowns a game is what he was responsible for. I mean, when you have that kind of a luxury then back this season, I mean, I got to imagine that expectations are pretty pretty sky high for Horn right now. They are, and, and there's, there's there's holes to fill. I mean, Isaiah Taylor's back in the backfield. He rushed for over 800, 800 yards last mm -hmm. season. He's a nice compliment. They did graduate most of their receiving core, and they're going to be very young in the offensive line. So they do have some question marks there. That one thing Horn has been able to do over the years is just find those budding stars at wide receiver. I mean, it doesn't matter the they seem to graduate top, their top two or three every year, and then they just find guys to fill that mm -hmm. hole. But, you know, certainly having Givens back there uh, gives them a huge leg up, a huge advantage, and it's going to help those younger receivers because he's been working all spring with them. You mentioned uh, Mesquite and North Mesquite as being two programs that, you know, missed the playoffs last year but are on the come up um, with uh, with Mesquite. You know, they were breaking a new head coach last year, uh, Jeff Fleener. What um, what are kind of expectations right now for Mesquite as they enter, I guess, their, uh, their first, I guess, when was Fleener hired last year? I think this is their first full offseason under him or where he came it, along last season. It, it is. Well, spring. It, was, it was somewhat of a difficult uh, transition period because he only had four weeks okay, so. um, once he got hired. Plus, they didn't, he didn't have his staff filled out until after spring ball was done. Okay. He, he, had, he had made hires, but some of them had other commitments that they weren't right. able to get away from. So he didn't. this is their first full offseason. Yeah, so there's going to be a much greater sense of normalcy to this offseason. Well, and he stressed, and he didn't mince words. I mean, they were in the weight room the, the Monday after Thanksgiving, mm -hmm. and he didn't mince words. He said, we simply were not strong enough to compete last year. They were not physical enough, so they, they spent the last few months in the weight room building up that strength. And he said, just now, we're, we're now strong enough to compete 
Now the next step is to be stronger than our opponent. But he said, you know, last season we just were not strong enough to compete. And obviously they took their lumps. They went one and nine. Um, they're still breaking in some new players. Uh, they're going to have a new quarterback. Arturo Flores is likely going to be the starter. They do have a kid named Dylan McGill who, who moved in last year uh, that's going to be a junior. He's going to get some snaps back there. He's kind of one of those game breakers that they can make plays with his legs as well as with his arm. But, um, you know, they have, they have some pieces. Devin Davis is a 6'4 receiver on the outside. Uh, Cantrell Ray Jackson was their leading rusher last year. Uh, Ladarius Turner is a newcomer that should contribute in the backfield. Uh, they're going to have a different look. They're going to kind of slow things down this year. Not Last year they were up 10 up-tempo, up-tempo, just like so many teams they have this yeah. year. Um, this year, he said when we're using uh, Casey Freeman is a tight end. They're going to use more tight end sets, kind of, you know, turn to the ground game a little bit more. So it'll be interesting to see with a year under Coach Flaner, as well as, you know, kind of a change in philosophy off, on offense, you know, see if they can take a step forward and, and maybe get into that playoff contention race. Whereas, uh, you know, Mesquite was going through this transition phase last season, it's kind of the spot that now North Mesquite finds itself in this offseason in the wake of uh, longtime head coach Mike Robinson heading to uh, heading to DeSoto. I guess kind of uh, what's a, uh, kind of what the vibe around the Stallions right now is they uh, begin a new a new chapter in their in their history books and um, just kind of what's uh, what's been one key offseason storyline you've been focusing on with them? It's, it's, it's really very similar to what Mesquite was going through a year ago because uh, Tim Cedar came over, he was a defensive coordinator mm-hmm. at uh, Horn, um, he came over and it was really the same time frame. He only had a few weeks to get things settled in before the start of spring ball. Um, taking over a team that has a lot of questions. I mean, they graduated their top two receivers, graduated their quarterback. Uh, they do have a nice running back in Juwan Clark coming back. Uh, only a couple of defensive starters are back. So it's going to be a complete overhaul. So not only are they going to have to endure the normal transition phase that comes with having a new coach and a new staff, they're also filling in a lot of holes with, with younger players. Yeah. So it, it's going to be tough. It's, it's kind of learning on the fly um you know pleased with the spring effort but you know it's, it's really gonna be tough to see what that you know how much progress they were able to make until fall yeah and especially in the in district like that is i mean yeah. are, i mean even though you don't cover these teams directly is kind of the expectations that the rock walls and the long views are just going to be just as potent as as they've always been yeah you know Longview again they haven't missed the, the playoffs since 2000 again they didn't they didn't win district last year which was kind of an anomaly for them That's, yeah that you know, drop their uh, percentage down 12 of the last 14. Now they'll have to settle for that. So they're going to be, uh, you know, in contention. Haynes King, uh, the son of uh, head coach John King, yeah. uh, was offensive newcomer of the year last year at the, at the quarterback position. And Rockwell is another one. Of the, you know, Rockwell's had one of the most fun, explosive offenses in recent years. Uh, they returned their quarterback, uh, Jacob Clark, who yeah. threw for 2,900 yards, 29 touchdowns last year. And, uh, you know, new running back, but Jackson Smith is also back wide receiver. And I said this early on. Oh, yeah, I remember Jackson, talking to him Jackson Smith yeah, yeah. was a sophomore uh, last season, and he was one of the more impressive players I saw any, you know, throughout the season. Okay. Uh, just a really impressive. Um, you know, Tyler Lee has had some – they had a coaching carousel out there for a few years. I think they – you know, got, someone would uh, take the job, and then he would – he stepped down before the season even started, and it was just, you know, like four coaches in three years, something crazy like that. But they seem to have some stability with Kurt Trailer, who's got, you know, really good pedigree from his, his time as an assistant at Gilmer, you know, which has been a powerhouse for years. And then Rockwell Heath, obviously, was, you know, they kind of fly under the radar sometimes, but they made the playoffs last year. A lot of people don't remember that. but Rock, So, it's you know, it's going to be competitive. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun. And, and, again, like I mentioned earlier, it's probably going to go down in the last week of the season. Yeah, expect nothing less from 11-6A after what they've shown us these last couple <laughs> yes, of years. Yes, 
that's when we get you know that we spend the last yeah. two weeks pouring over these you know secondary and tertiary tiebreaker oh, yeah. rules and whatnot, going deep, <laughs> digging deep into the manual. So that's a uh, yeah, that's a cursory look at District uh, District 116A. Um, once again, folks, um, we will continue. Actually, we will round out our spring football primer series on Thursday with a look at two more districts out in Class 5A. In the meantime, folks, this has been Matt Welch with Star Local Media. Devin, appreciate y'all for tagging along. Mm -hmm. Taylor, you as well, uh, folks. Hey, we will be back to talk with y'all on Thursday. In the meantime, you guys enjoy the uh, enjoy the week. We'll talk to y'all later. Thanks again for checking out this edition of the Star Local Media Sports Podcast, brought to you by Yield Butcher Shop, a meat market and burger joint based in Plano. It's summertime, folks. The temperatures are going to start heating up, and what a better way to break into that summer heat than to break out the grill and do some barbecuing. Well, guess what? Yield Butcher Shop has you covered. They can help you with everything from catering, grilling, barbecuing, or any special occasion, serving the finest cuts of meat from every day to exotics. They are located at 811 East 15th Street in Plano, open Tuesday through Saturday, a smoking good time since 1974 Yeo Butcher Shop. Looking to hire top talent in your community? Look no further than StarLocalJobs.com. Our platform is specifically designed to connect local employers with qualified candidates in their area. With StarLocalJobs.com, you can easily post job listings tailored to your specific needs and requirements. Our platform is user-friendly and offers a wide range of options to help you find the perfect candidate for your open position. Plus, our job matching algorithm ensures that your listing is shown to the most relevant job seekers in your area. But that's not all, StarLocalJobs.com also offers a variety of resources to help you throughout the hiring process. From candidate screening to interview tips, our team of experts is dedicated to helping you find the right fit for your company. So why wait? Join the thousands of satisfied employers who have found their ideal candidate through StarLocalJobs.com. Post your job listing today and start building your dream team.